Greetings, friends and beloved brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. This is Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries coming to you from Wheeling, almost heaven, West Virginia. Welcome to this broadcast. And I'd like to greet my new listeners in Bakersfield, California, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Richmond, Virginia, and Omaha, Nebraska. We are putting the finishing touches to the new website, and I'll keep you posted when that will be available. It is exciting to have all of you be part of this listening audience. And for those of you who are new to this broadcast, I teach God's Word with a firm emphasis on foundational principles and on God's divine plan for healing. So let's get started if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Our scripture focus for this teaching will be on verse 5. And I am titling this message today, God Sees. But to understand the importance of verse 5, we want to look at the context of verse 5. Paul is writing to his son in the faith and young pastor Timothy, who was pastoring in Ephesus. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible, so we'll start here, chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you when I was on my way to Macedonia, stay on where you are at Ephesus, in order that you may warn and admonish and charge certain individuals not to teach any different doctrine, nor to give importance to, or occupy themselves with legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies which foster and promote useless speculations and questionings, rather than acceptance in faith faith of God's administration and divine training that is in faith in that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence, whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good, clear conscience and sincere, unfeigned or genuine faith. Notice that Paul's purpose of instruction and his charge is love. It says in the New King James Version, love from a pure heart, love from a good conscience, and love from sincere faith. Paul is saying the whole reason for teaching and instructing Timothy's new flock is love. But it's the kind of love that flows because of three things, a pure heart, a clean conscience, and sincere faith. My friends, this is the foundation blocks for walking with God and hearing his voice in order to do the works of ministry. It's that simple. When you keep those three things front and center, you will walk a life of victory. That's why the admonition given in verse 4, to avoid, do not give heed to, but avoid silly conversations about myths and fables or things from the past that cause disputes and arguments, rather than godly edification. I know that I have, and you probably have at times, 
gotten into conversations with friends about things that really um, can, can cause us to have an argument and really do not promote godly edification. So Paul makes it really clear. We just need to avoid those things because the purpose um, of instruction should be love from a pure heart, a clean conscience, and sincere faith. So let's talk about your conscience. What is a clean conscience? Listen to this example taken from A Dad's Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. And they write, A few weeks ago, Roger's family was shopping for groceries. As they rounded a, as they rounded a corner, he looked down at his two-year-old daughter who was riding in the basket. She was holding a carton of eggs. The carton was open and revealed that several of the eggs were broken and others were cracked. His first thought was, let's just put the carton back and get another one. No one will notice. Sometimes the same temptation occurs when one stays overnight in a motel. Occasionally the thought comes to mind, why not watch one of those late night cable channels? Who's going to know? The reality of both of these situations is the same. God sees and therefore God knows. We can allow our conscience to do what is right or suffer the consequences of doing what we know we shouldn't have done. King David, wonderful King David, suffered the loss of his firstborn son to Bathsheba. David had purposefully had Bathsheba's husband killed because she was pregnant with David's son. For nine months, David's conscience did not draw him to repent. The sin of adultery and the sin of murder had brought the spirit of deception. David, this man after God's own heart, had not seen the error of his actions until the prophet Nathan arrived on the scene and spoke a parable to David, which then Nathan explained that David was the one in the parable. And not only that, but that the Lord was displeased with David for taking another man's wife and having him killed. To which David replied, I have sinned against the Lord. David's conscience was finally pricked by the truth brought forth by the prophet. Until that point, his conscience did not cause him to repent. The spirit of deception came upon him. He had sinned, did not repent, and gave the enemy, Satan, the legal right to oppress him with deception. Sin. Listen carefully. Sin will harden your conscience. That's why it's so important to immediately confess your sin to the Lord. There is nothing done in secret that the Lord does not know about. Nathan the prophet said to David, For you did it secretly, referring to the adulterous affair and murder of Uriah. But I will do this thing. David is speaking as, as if it's the Lord, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. The Lord told David, I'm going to take your wives before your eyes 
and give them to your neighbors, and they shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. You see, what David did was in secret, but the Lord said that what he was going to do was going to be in plain sight for all to see. God sees everything. So I'll give you my experience recently. Here I am at Sam's Club a few days ago. Now, let's just go back a few weeks, about two or three weeks ago. Sam's Club decides to put 12 choice parking spaces and designate them for pharmacy pickup only. Right, not three or four spaces, but 12 parking spaces. I'm thinking, really? We need 12 parking spaces for a pharmacy pickup. So I was agitated because I like to park in one of those spots. And that's where I usually always park. Now it's designated a pharmacy pickup. So I decided to speak to the manager. I told her how ridiculous this was and asked if it were a corporate decision, to which she replied, yes. So I said to her, well, I'm going to park there anyway. She said, that's fine. As I said, I arrived at Sam's Club several days ago and promptly pulled into one of those pharmacy spaces, knowing full well that I was not using the pharmacy. I did my shopping, came out to get in my car, and suddenly this feeling of, oh, no, this was wrong. I realized that I was in rebellion to the authority of the management, and my conscience was pricked. I had this bad feeling inside my belly, and I repented quickly and told myself, that will be the last time I park there. So, two weeks ago, when I told the store manager in my rebellious tone that I was going to park there regardless, you see, I did have a little nudging from the Holy Spirit, but I dismissed it because I thought they were wrong, and I thought I could break the rules. I'm not kidding. Seriously, I thought that. I thought they're wrong and I can break the rules. Well, God had a different idea. I didn't murder a man. No, but I waged this rebellion in my heart because I wanted my way. And to the Lord, it displeased him. And he let me know it. My conscience kicked into gear, and I was repenting before the Lord. There are other people in the Bible who've had similar kinds of situations regarding their conscience. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, we're going to read about a man that practically everybody knows about in the Bible, and even those who don't know anything about the Bible know about Moses, the great Moses. Chapter 2, verse 11. Now, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. 
let me stop there for just a second and give you the context of where Moses is. He he is um, he's been forty years uh, as Pharaoh's son, and he comes to the realization and recognition that um, he uh, he's a he's a Hebrew. He's a Hebrew in his heart and his soul, and he realizes he can no longer stay under this, uh, uh, the auspices of the great Pharaoh, okay, even though he was brought up by Pharaoh. But he's come to that realization and recognition, and so this is where we are. It says, so Moses was grown, um, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. I'll take you a little farther uh, in understanding that whole situation the next 40 years, Moses spends in the desert before the last 40 years where he takes the folks in, uh, takes them into the wilderness and they wander around for 40 more years. But my point is this, the scripture does not say anything about how Moses handled this situation personally in his conscience. We don't know that his conscience was pricked the scripture doesn't tell us anything about that because suddenly he runs away and now he's in a new land called Midian. But we have to assume that he did deal with his conscience about this murder he committed because uh, at some point during the 40 years in the desert. And how would I know that? Because without a clean conscience, Moses could never have heard God's voice. And it was in the desert when the burning bush and uh, Moses turns aside and he hears God's voice speak to him. And I tell you that if Moses had not repented of this sin before the Lord, if he had not had a clean conscience before the Lord, he could never have heard God's voice, let alone be the one to be the commander-in-chief of, of bringing all the people out of bondage. Now, we have another individual, Peter, good old Peter. And we're going to be looking in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. By the way, I apologize. I didn't tell you I'm reading out of the New King James now, not the Amplified. So Luke chapter 22, starting with verse 54. Having arrested him, Jesus, they led Jesus and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, 
Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But Peter denied him, saying, but denied him, Jesus, saying, Woman, I do, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You, you also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then, after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter's conscience was pricked because immediately the word of the Lord came back and it was like he heard the Lord standing right there speaking to him because the Lord had prophesied to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter wept bitterly. And we know that at some point the Peter had repented of that sin Eventually, we know that Peter goes on in the, toward the end of the Gospel of Luke that uh, he goes out to fish with his brethren. And, you know, he really had felt so bad about the fact that he had denied Jesus that he didn't think he was worthy of any kind of ministry ever again. But the Lord restored him, and uh, God knew his heart. And, you know, when God knows your heart, and he knows that you're willing to repent. And, he, and, and we acknowledge that we have sinned. We acknowledge that we have really displeased the Lord. I mean, the Lord is quick to forgive. He really, really is. And that's what's so merciful about God is that when you acknowledge your sin, when you just come to the end of yourself, like that uh, uh, fellow in, in Luke uh, 15, the prodigal son, he just came to the end of himself. You see, he finally had his conscience pricked. He finally realized, oh my goodness, what have I done? I have been a foolish man. I have wasted all my fortune. My good, good father gave me such a great fortune. I've wasted it. I've squandered it. I've been with women. I've been partying, having a great time, and now look at me, I am stuck in the pig pen. And it was in the pig pen. It took the pig pen to get the man's conscience, conscience pricked. It was in the pig pen. It was at the lowest point of his life that he recognized that he had made the gravest, gravest mistake. But the beauty of the story is that even though he made this grave error, grave error, when he suddenly recognized and realized and repented of what he had done before the Lord and recognized that he had sinned and displeased 
not only his earthly father, but his heavenly father. And as he was traveling that road back to his home, and he sees his father in the distance, and the father runs to the son. Wow. See, that's what God the father is like. He runs quickly when our heart is broken and contrite before him. In fact, the scripture says in Isaiah, that's the heart that God looks at. That's the one that God sees. You see, God does see when we mess up. He saw my crazy, rebellious attitude. Now, can you imagine? I mean, it's embarrassing to have to tell you that such a crazy thing happened in my heart. But I I actually share that with you because we're all fallible. We are human. And sometimes we do silly things. But you know, the minute I mean, I was so fervent in my attitude to have to park in that parking space. And I I tell you, when I pulled in there, I thought, see, I'm going to park right here. Even though I don't have a pharmacy pickup, I'm going in and shop. But the minute I came out, oh, the Holy Spirit got me. Oh, he got me. He got me real good. And I knew that I knew I had made a big mistake. But you see, when we repent and we bring it before the Lord and we acknowledge our sin, oh, he's such a loving father. He just runs back into our arms and, you know, hugs us and kisses us and loves us. And just like he did to the prodigal son, you know, he he put that ring on the on the on the uh, finger of the son to designate you're part of this family. You are my son. See, the son thought, there's no way. He must have been thinking these thoughts in his own mind. There's no way my father's going to take me back. In fact, he had already reasoned in his mind. I know my father's not going to take me back, so I'll just kind of live, you know, I'll live in the the so-called little house. I'll, I'll live over here, and I won't be real, I won't be part of the whole thing, but at least I'll be back. That was his mentality. But see, God the Father doesn't think like that. He, he, he came with a ring to put on that son's finger and then said, hey, kill the fatted calf. We're, hey, we're having a party. We're celebrating the fact that he came back. That's the kind of father we serve. That's the kind of God that we serve. Loving, merciful, kind. And it just takes, it just takes a heart to... Um, to recognize and to repent before the Lord. God sees and knows all things. Why in the world do we need a clean conscience? First of all, we need a clean conscience so that we will be correctly aligned with God and his purposes. And for heaven's sakes, If we're going to be of any value to the kingdom and we're going to advance his kingdom, we certainly need to be correctly aligned with God and his purposes. Amen. Why do we need a clean conscience? So that we can hear God's voice clearly. We can hear his voice without static, without different messages trying to come through. In fact, when we have this clean conscience, we have a clear signal 
And it's just like when you turn on the radio and you're trying to find a station and you hear all the static until you tune right in to the very station that you want to listen to and it's a clear signal. It's the same way with God's voice. When there's sin in the camp, there's sin in a heart, it's very hard. In fact, many times you, you may hear God, but you may not hear him correctly. You may hear him, you're hearing him through this, um, uh, a diff, it's, it's a diffused um, sound. It's, it's, not, it's not clear. It's not, and you'll, you may get direction that's really not God, but you think it's God. So we need a clean conscience so that we can hear his voice very, very, very clearly. And lastly, why do we need a clear conscience? So that we can discern things by the spirit that we happen to hear in the natural so that we can discern whether it's good or evil. In these last days, there are many teachers, there are many prophets, there are many people espousing the things of God, preaching on TV, preaching on radio, preaching in churches. But we have to have the ability to discern the Holy Spirit, to hear clearly what is good, what is evil, what is of the word and what's not of the word. So a clean conscience is necessary so that we can discern in these very dire times that we're living in and about to be forced upon us as we move into the future. Paul admonished his young pastor to love. That was Timothy's charge. And the whole purpose for instructing his flock was to love. To love from a pure heart, from a good and a right conscience, and from a sincere and genuine faith. That word good in the Greek, it means good. It's the Greek word agathos, and it means good, but it also means right. So we want to love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, but from a right conscience. And a right conscience conscience is a conscience that is in proper and correct alignment with Holy Spirit. That is what that is meant by. Paul really spent, you know, the beginning of this charge to this young pastor on probably the most important the most important things he could say to this young pastor that in instructing his flock they would have to love from a pure heart from a good and a right conscience and from sincere and genuine faith and that he as the pastor was to instruct the flock from that same kind of love this is the same admonishment that we, it's the same charge to us as believers in Christ. This same scripture is speaking to us personally. And I can tell you, after my experience at Sam's Club, having that really rebellious attitude, I, I want a right conscience. I want a pure heart. I want a right conscience that's rightly aligned with Father God and Holy Spirit. And God's word, and uh, 
I, I want to do the works of ministry. I want to be able to fulfill the plans and purposes for the Lord in my life. And I, I know that you do too. I know that you have the same desires that I have. And I believe that's why Paul was writing to us, to really encourage us, to help us, to see. You know, Paul writes so many times through the many epistles. You know, he's giving us instruction. He's giving us a foundation. And I believe this is a good foundation from which to start. I'm going to leave you with this. Remember, God sees. He sees it all, even things in the secret. So keep your conscience clear. And before you retire for bed each night, will you do this? Will you check your conscience and correct any issues that have been out of alignment with the Lord before you fall asleep? This is Don Noble signing off until next time. Shalom, shalom, peace to you.